Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. I'm your host, Brett Kane. Uh, you're tuning in right before Halloween, so I figured I'd pick a spooky, scary track. Um, that's an ambient thing that I was working on, uh, I think it was in November of 2019, so it's kind of a throwback. Um, today's episode is anything but spooky. In fact, it's actually rather cheery. Um, today we're sitting down with Kelsey Peck, who is a massage therapist, yogi, astrologer, um, manifestation coach, and business owner, who has actually been really helpful in allowing me to fully express my massage practice and has been really encouraging of me to explore all these different modalities and give me a roof to practice under. So, um, yeah, Kelsey is a wonderful human being that has her hands in a lot of different cookie jars, so to speak, and I think her overall vibe and way she shows up is just really beneficial for her clients, family, friends. I'm sure everyone that I've met who's met her has been touched in some way, so uh, I knew that I had to get her on the show and I had to talk about her current fascination, which is primarily astrology. For those of you who don't really know what astrology is or a little bit uh, maybe dismissive of it. Um, astrology is a science of charting the sky at your time of birth and drawing correlations between how it manifests in your psyche. It's actually a very well-developed thing, um, and I knew a little bit about it, but she really does elaborate really eloquently um, some of the different aspects. Most people are used to having their horoscopes, um, but what she does is actually um, that, but ramped up to 150,000. Um, she gets very involved and has been able to actually really help people get a firmer understanding on their sense of self, give them maps and models to be able to take their wellness even deeper into their own hands. Um, I really like it as a means to kind of take your story into your own hands. It's a tool for people who if they're suited for it, some people it might not be the best tool, but for those that it fits well with, I think it has um, proven through the test of time to just be really helpful. I mean, it's followed us all the way since the days of ancient Egypt. So, you know, there has to be something there. And I'm really curious and I want to have this platform be open to um, more occulty things. I think it's actually one of the, the sub pillars that I want to tap in because um, there's a lot of esoteric information out there that um, is really useful for a lot of people. Um, if, the more you invest into it, and I feel like if you have a healthy balance between that and having your foot in the material world, I think you can have some really beautiful experiences. It's really great for meeting people and exchanging information and just as a genuine mirror into your own processes. You know, it's a, a really cool situation. And I'm glad that I have someone who's actually like learning the deeper layers of it, be able to kind of break down um, some of the more hidden elements that I or many other people are just not familiar with. There's so much to it. And um, this episode I've kind of used as a means to kind of create a platform for maybe future discussions. Um, I'm just kind of describing even the most basic things because there's some base elements that I think um, are often overlooked by a lot of casual uh, astrologers and folks who are plugged in. And um, I mean, for me, I honestly, I didn't know a lot of the information, most of the information that we go through, but she was able to break it down in a really simple way. And uh, I don't know, kind of got me interested even more and makes me kind of want to get my chart read. Um, so yeah, without further ado, um, happy Halloween. I hope y'all are enjoying the spooky fall season. Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for as we shift into the month of 
uh, thankfulness, and we'll get more on that later. Um, yeah, you just keep in mind, you know, this is a time to honor the dead. It's a time to honor the transition into the fall and into the winter. And with that comes some very auspicious energies that, if tapped into correctly, can be really powerful in um, shedding old layers of yourself and uh, exploring what it means to die. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a grim way, but I mean that in a sense that like we are always in a perpetual state of dying. And there are aspects of your personality that die away that you shed every single day. So to just be mindful and honor and respect that aspect of our existence, because it is permeated throughout all. Um, thanks for listening to me babble. I love you. Thank you for your uh, continued support. If you've been an active listener, if this is your first time, welcome. I um, implore you to check out prior episodes. Um, while this episode is um, more uh, culty focused, um, a lot of what I do is not. So I like to think of this as a buffet for all of the different modalities of wellness. And uh, this is certainly one that's helped millions of people across the globe. So sit back, sip on some tea, and enjoy the wise words of Kelsey Peck. Three, two, one. All right, Kelsey Peck. Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with yeah. you. Yay. So before we get started, I wanted to take some time to actually give you a heartfelt thank you. Um, I don't know if I've ever done this formally, but um, you've definitely been a pretty incremental human in helping me get my feet wet with um, getting into massage. Um, for people who don't know, you actually gave me the opportunity to intern at your um, your clinic and it helped me have the space to like really create the practice that I want. So thank you so much for opening your business up to me and allowing me to do my thing. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it's been my pleasure. It's been amazing to see you um, when you were just in school and to see how you're blooming now. And I'm excited to, um, to hold that space for you and watch you and continue on, uh, on your journey. Yeah. I, I, it definitely helps to have people that inspire you, and you definitely do that for me. So, yeah, big ups. Um, before it gets too gushy, though, I always like to start off with just like a little bit of gush. I think it's important. I um, love the gush. But on the gush, on the nature of getting your feet wet, I'm really curious. I, I honestly don't know much about your past or where you came from or how you got to be where you are offering all these different wellness modalities. What was that journey like for you? What, how did you end up the Kelsey Peck of today? The Kelsey Peck of today, looking back, it all started when I was 18, um, just out of high school. A girlfriend of mine had a loft at the Lion's Den in Grand Rapids, and we would get up at uh, 5 a.m. and do Funky Buddha's Flow. And when I say 5 a.m., I mean, that was so early for me. Um, mornings aren't typically my favorite um, to go out and about. I really like to savor and have slow mornings. So um, waking up with her and we'd start that routine. And I just noticed how amazing I felt afterwards. 
Um, so that's really where I began on, um, I suppose, the journey, we call it. Um, and I really noticed a difference with my overall being, uh, starting a yoga practice. Um, that's when I started that particular avenue, that limb of my life. And, um, and then after uh, a year or two, I moved to California. I took a train with my boyfriend at the time out there and I lived with my sisters. Um, I feel very fortunate to be able to have family out there. And uh, my sister introduced me to core power yoga. And typically, I, I feel like it's a typical thing um, to start the physical practice of yoga. Um, I wanted to get in shape. I, I liked the way it made me feel. And, um, and I didn't notice the benefits of the breath at the time and my mental and emotional state and what that practice was doing for me. Um, so that's what started me out in California and, um, then working in a restaurant, um, I found a different yoga studio, um, not too far away from the restaurant and it was more spiritual based and I was very like a moth to a flame attracted to that, uh, yoga studio, Shakti Yoga in Huntington Beach, California. It was amazing. Shout out to them. They're absolutely wonderful. Uh, teachers there changed my life. I later um, did teacher training there in 2014. Um, it was a game changer. I learned uh, the history of it, of yoga, and um, just the nitty-gritty, just in-depth that really evolved me as a person. And instead of going out to bars with with my friends and my coworkers, because I feel like that's a, um, I mean, maybe you can speak to this, working in a restaurant and being in that atmosphere, it's, it's easy to do. It's you go out to the bars after work because you're out late and it's a late shift. And um, instead of doing that, I went home and I woke up early and I just did, I had an unlimited package at a yoga studio and I did class after class after class after class and um, I was going through a breakup at this point and noticed that I was dealing with the breakup a lot easier than I had with other uh, relationship endings in my life so I knew there was something to this practice there was something to this exercise um, yeah and to tie in the massage piece there was a tie Thai massage that if you went before noon, it was $50 for an hour. And I was a frequent, a frequent flyer, I suppose. <laughs> um, I went probably every week and got a massage. And that's when I really started noticing the benefits of massage um, in lieu uh, with yoga. Hmm. And that's what really shot me forward. So that's kind of a part of your platform now is that you offer both the massage therapy and yoga. Um, for people who don't know, what exactly is Thai massage and like how does that differentiate from a regular massage? Ooh, great question. I would say Thai massage deals, uh, incorporates 
different techniques of stretching and breathing in those stretches as opposed to Western world um, massage where it's, I feel like there's a heavy focus on effleurage strokes and it's very relaxing. Um, Massages can be relaxing, um, helps the nervous system when you are able to let go. Um, But also I feel like incorporating those stretches and then allowing the individual to, yes, let go, but um, to move the body in more than just effleurage, um, relaxing strokes, I suppose. Mm. So do you think that there was kind of a natural predisposition to the more spiritual aspects that was just waiting to be uh, kind of hatched? Or was there any sort of like circumstances that kind of created the need for that spiritual unfoldment? Or do you think it was just kind of a part of your DNA? I feel like it just came natural. I feel um, since I was 17, I I had my first experience with psilocybin mushrooms. And that really was an eye-opener to um, releasing the veil of the material world, the, this matter, um, and, and really opening up to spirit realm. And so I, I do believe that since 17, um, and e- even looking back, I, I always, there was something about always having faith and, and trusting in spirit. And going back to... Um, Going back even further, my I would talk to my dad about um, about there being a God, and um, he said, "You know, Boo, Boo was my nickname, or is my nickname." And um, he goes, "I believe in many gods. There's a sun God, there's a moon God, um, there's wind, and so from a very early age, I I had a pull to." nature. And so that was leading up to 17. 17, I had that psilocybin experience. Um, and in that, within that experience, I found, I don't want to say I found God because God is always within us or spirit or source, however you want to look at um, the superior consciousness or supreme consciousness. Um, is always within us. Um, So I do believe that there is that natural um, disposition for the the pull to spirit because I do, I want to believe that we all are inherently good within us and there is disconnectedness along the way, which is that creates disease. Uh, disease is disconnected um, from our true nature, which is source or spirit. And yeah, so I do believe that I've always had a pull and using these modalities have have helped me through difficult times in my life to bring me back to who I really am, to tap into um, to source to get me to where I want to be. And faith is, is a strong. What is faith, 
feel like to you? I don't. I know that might be kind of a lofty question, but I know a lot of folks in my circle who um, kind of look down on faith and they kind of talk about it in a disparaging way that it kind of is like a, a way to abandon logic and reason, you know? Like most people that I talk to that have faith I mean, there's, it's almost just like this unspoken, like, it's just this directive, you know, like, how does that manifest in your life? If there's a clear way, it's a, it's, it's a lofty thing, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Surrender. Yeah. Yeah. In one word, it is complete and utter surrender to the unknown. And that... I mean, emotions are our guidance system. Um, emotions are, I, I look at it as a treasure map. I, I did a training with Christy Whitman. She's a, she's a law of attraction coach and in 2017. And that was another uh, game changer in life. And just learning about the universal laws um, have been amazing. Um, but to go back to your question of what does faith feel like, and it is all of the emotions. It can be scary. It can be exhilarating. It can be um, hopeful, or it can you know it's it's everything. It's just having faith that the universe has your back. Yeah. I really like the way that you're saying that. And it kind of reminds me of, are, are you familiar? I've probably said this in every podcast, but are you familiar with Terrence McKenna? I have heard of him. Yep. Yep. He's got, he's got a saying where, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but he talks about how like jumping out into the world, like you expect like the worst case scenario, you expect this just black pit, but when you jump out, it's actually more like a feather mattress. And I feel like that's like a really good uh, way to describe faith because it's just trusting that you're going to be met with sweetness. And also you're going to be met with some suffering, you know, but um, ultimately like it's a guide that brings you to that next stage. And when I talk to you and I am learning more about your history as we're working in parallel situations, you have these very clear defined like stepping stones that I'm seeing in your career which I'm finding to be, honestly, it's kind of like parallel, but similar to the way that my story unfolds in that you started as a yogi, which became a massage therapist. You learned the law of attraction and now you're going into astrology. Um, yeah, do you, do you suspect that that will keep happening in that way? Or do you feel like you're creating the conditions to find your final modality and then really sink deep? Or is it the act of constantly unfolding that kind of keeps you going? Constant unfolding. I feel like I am that. Um, I, in order for me to feel, oh gosh, emotionally met, I am always learning. I am always learning how to be the best me I can be. And these ancient sciences... Um, have helped Ayurveda, yoga, um, massages is up there. It's not a sister science of yoga, um, like astrology and Ayurveda are, but um, they all inter intertwine, so they're all really woven together. Um, but I, I do, I feel like it's just one thing after another. I mean, sound healing is, I, I love my bowls. I play with them often. 
um, free, I mean, everything is frequency. So it's what frequency do you want to put out to get back? Um, and yeah, it's one thing after another. And then I have to, and learning astrology really helped me because there was a point in my life where, gosh, this, it was a really hard time because it was, it, it was the feeling of, God, you know, I, the inner critic and it was, can't you just figure it out? Can't you just stick with one thing? And you know, when I started to study astrology, it's a part of my chart. I am the jack of all trades, master of none. And that's, uh, I'm a Gemini rising. And that is a a Gemini trait, Mr. Gemini son. Can you relate? I'm not a Gemini son. (laughs) Mm -mm. Oh, you're not? Nope. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. Sturdy as the bull. bull. Wait, I thought you said you were a Gemini. Mm-mm. Nope, Taurus sun and uh, Capricorn moon. I thought I was like a oh. Leo moon, but I think it changed on me. I don't know. I don't know. Changed on you? We're going to have yeah. to get your birth information and plug that in. I still yeah. haven't done that yet. Yeah. I've been waiting. I'm just kidding. I've been um, waiting. We'll yeah. have to plug it in. Yeah. And astronomy, or astronomy, astronomy is a thing too, but astrology is definitely uh, one of the bigger subjects I wanted to touch up on today because I know that that's your most uh, active thing. But before we really plug into that, um, do you feel like, well, I mean, I guess also while we're plugging into that, do you feel like it's affecting your ability to hold space for massage as well? Do you think that it's informing it? I believe that my practice, can you repeat the question? Do you feel like your study of astrology is affecting or modulating the way that you approach approach massage? Oh, most definitely. Um, I I love helping people. That is, I, I my purpose is to help people and serve and serve humanity. Um, I want to. I wish everybody could see through the lens of love, and. If yoga and astrology has taught me anything, it's that we are love and love is God and the universe or spirit, however you want to look at it. And so with astrology, changing my massage practice, it most definitely has because I, I'm a very personable person. Uh, so my clients aren't just people who pay me for massage. It's, I want to get to know them. I want, um, I want to get to the root of why they have pain. And so massage is so much more than, you know, come in and let's put some oil on and and manipulate your muscles. It's, um, you know, are you taking good care of yourself? I I say to most of my uh, clients that are women, are you giving yourself that goddess time? Are you giving yourself that 10 minutes a day where you just close your eyes and breathe and recollect and, and ground yourself and you can't pour from an empty cup. So with learning, uh, astrology and incorporating it into massage, it's been much more of a, I can do this in an hour or 90 minute session, but what are you doing off the table to help you further? Um, which is a huge thing because ideally if you're coming in once a month, um, 
it's, it's not going to do as much as if you create healthy habits at home and, and create your own self-care. So that is something it's, it's helped me create. I always ask them, I'm like, if you don't mind, do you want homework to take home with you? <laughs> and I'll give them a couple exercises, which is nice to have that, um, the yogic background. Um, but also being able to ask the deeper questions of, um, of why their, you know, uh, pectoral muscle is so tight and why, you know, why they're holding themselves like this. Are they not feeling, are they not allowing themselves as much self-love or self-care? Um, that's just, uh, an example. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've. I think you're hitting on something really important, specifically for massage therapists. And it's something that I'm quickly learning. I mean, we both know I just got licensed not that long ago, but, you know, I have clients coming into both where we work and also my other clinic and they come in with 30 years of, um, like stress. And then they kind of want just like a magic pill to be able to, um, unwind it. And then I kind of feel like I've already caught myself and I'm like nipping it in the bud, but like, there is a sense where like, I do want to help you with this, but like to energetically set up that boundary. So where it's like, this is your work, this is your experience. And I think the best thing that I can do for you, I mean, I can do the practice on the table as you know, you're exchanging money for, but I can also model what taking care of yourself looks like. So, so much of my practice is actually behind the scenes in how I maintain my own energetic health and my own physical health and mental well-being because that's what gets imprinted through the touch. You know, when you're when you lay your hands on somebody's body, you're interfacing with their nervous system, and if you're coming at it with all of your neuroses, that subtly does get imprinted it like the way you move around the body, the speed, the pressure, so like it's super important to like really bring yourself in and the more maps and models like astrology or if you're practicing yoga or the law of attraction, the more things that you have that help you stand in your own power, that's how you communicate and that's how you help people, you know. Completely. You hit the nail on the head. Um, a lot of people that come in do want that magic pill. It's... Um, and I'm glad, I'm so, so happy to hear that you are nipping it in the butt because it's something that I did starting my practice of massage thinking, well, I can help. I can, I can do this. Um, I can help you um, on this grand scale. And that's, that creates burnout. I mean, that's, that's a fast track to burning out and hurting your wrists. And... Um, especially if you're not mindful in the way that you are, um, that your techniques are on the table. You, you can definitely um, harm your body. And, um, and like you said, energetically, too. That's, that's a big thing. So that's where it's tying into massage. It's, or excuse me, uh, astrology is um, being able to look at somebody's blueprint and notice um, where that loophole for them lies because if they're not doing the work outside of the massage table then ultimately we can only that only goes so far for us as massage therapists um, they've got to be able to meet us and do their own work and <laughs> astrology is the flavor of the 
past few years. That's what the study has been. And um, learning this uh, science has really helped me hone in my blueprint and what my repetitive patterns are, what the, what the constant struggles are and putting words to them and then helping the people who I've done readings for. So it's been amazing to see them have their aha moments of ultimately what, um, what element is out of balance within their chart because we all are made up, we all are nature and we're all made up of the elements. And so if your fire is out of balance, then you need to sweat more. And that doesn't always mean um, getting on the elliptical or running and sweating. It could also mean uh, Tai Chi, or it could mean turning up the music in the car and singing and just moving the energy within your body. Uh, Fire is the fun factor, so that might mean just simply dancing. Yeah, I think it's um, honestly really powerful to include a modality like this or a science, as you say, and I'm glad you said it's a science because the way it's been structured over the like thousands of years, it, it really is honestly a lot more meticulous than a lot of people really consider. But if you even want to root it in like a contemporary like study, like all of the modern pain science is starting to show that when pain is processed in the body and sent to the brain, it passes through the limbic system, which is your emotional sensor, as well as the part of the brain. And I forgot the exact name because I'm still learning it, but it's the part that ascribes meaning to experience. So the story you tell yourself about your pain actually amplifies the pain. So if you're able to use a map to communicate to them, tell them a different story, then you're actually physiologically affecting their ability to manage pain. And I mean, astrology is very deep and intricate. So it's a story that a lot of people can sink their teeth into. And I I think that I think you're onto something really powerful with the mixture of those. So yeah, this is all definitely making sense. Um, But I'm kind of wondering, I feel like we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Um, So I think it's a good time to transition into astrology. And um, for the people who aren't really familiar, like what exactly is astrology? Yeah, so astrology is an ancient science um, brought to us by the Egyptians. And um, it's been studied for years and years. And it's a blueprint to who we are and how the world sees us. It's what our soul is rising to be in this lifetime. It's the lens that our ego is through. So astrology is able to, um, to really give us a big insight into who we are and the inner workings of why we do what we do. That's pretty fascinating. So how exactly does it function? Like, how do you determine, um, like what your sign is or what, Uh, what are we actually charting? At the time that you're born is when the time that you're born and the location is of significance. So you can't give a accurate birth, uh, a natal birth reading, birth chart reading uh, without your time. Um, So the moment you're born, uh, imagine an astrologer runs out, takes a picture of the heavens and the planets that are above the horizon and below the horizon and where they fall in this chart, there's little pie pieces that make up, they're called houses. And 
that individual picture, that snapshot, is your own individual blueprint of where you were when the moment that you stepped or came through that portal of your mother and came earthside. Well, I like uh, the mom portal analogy. That's uh, <laughs> that's nice. So this is a term that I've heard pretty often, but I've kind of been like a little vague on. Like So like the idea of the house is essentially if you mapped out the sky at the time you were born, it's in a physical quadrant of the sky. Yep. So the houses determine where these particular energies show up in your life. So for example, um, your first house represents your body. And so it's your physical appearance. It's your ego. It's uh, initiation and action. Hmm. So that would, the first house would probably be more to like the left on top of the horizon then? Correct. It's the Eastern constellation, uh, the moment you were born. So it's also your rising sign. Um, it's all interwoven with your rising sign being, uh, your constitutional, what your body looks like. Um, for example, mine, my rising sign, the, the constellation, the moment I was born that was on the Eastern horizon was Gemini. So that gives an influence of my body type being Vata. So linking back in astrology, because they're all woven, these ancient sciences, um, and being yoga, astrology, and Ayurveda are sister sciences. It's nice to see how that works. That's fascinating. So you said, I'm sorry, the first house was, it's your physical constitution? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. your physical appearance. Yep. Okay. At what, like, house does this um, pie chart kind of reach to the bottom of the horizon? Is it like houses one through five or six are what we can see and then six through 11? Or is it all 11 houses are above the horizon? Yeah, the, um, the IC, which is the bottom of the chart, also um, could be considered uh, the root chakra of the chart, would be the IC, the unconscious. So that would be your fourth house. And the top of the chart, uh, the moment you were born is your midheaven, which is how the public sees you. It's how you are in the public eye. It's also your career line, your destiny point there. Um, I skipped right over the descendant or the relationship axis. That's right across from your ascendant, which is your rising, rising sign. Um, yeah, so there's those four points of that axis. Wow. So when people are like flipping through the newspaper, they get these newsletters, that's like their daily horoscope. What is that typically talking about? Because it usually just describes like one sign and then it gives like a, a blurb about that. What where are they getting that information from? Yeah, so typically people hear about this sign. This is the sun sign. This is the ego um, in magazines, newspapers. Um, and that's, the sun sign would be your life force energy. It's your personality. It's your self-expression through the lens of whichever sign it is, um, which most people can resonate with. Um, but there's so much more to your blueprint than just your sun sign. Though your sun sign is important, it's a, it's, a, it's a third of, I would say, your main pillars next to your moon and your rising sign. So what are the moon and the rising? What, um, <clears throat> what do they kind of characterize in the being? Good question. The moon is your emotional body. 
So if you were to get pushed up against a wall, then it would be how you react. It's, it's that um, emotional temperament, your intuition, and it's the feminine side. Um, the rising sign is what your soul is rising to be in this lifetime and the qualities that that, that sign uh, embodies. So it's this blending of um, these three, the sun, the moon, and the rising, that really make up these core principles or this core pillars of the individual. So, for example, if they're, let's break it down into elements. If, um, if your sun is in a fire sign and your moon is in a air sign, and your rising sign is in an air sign. You're a double air fire. So this, this person with this makeup is super energized. They have wheels on their ass. They just, they go, go, go. Um, as opposed to a person whose makeup is water and earth, they're more grounded. They're more, um, could be more introverted based on the rest of their chart um, as opposed to a social butterfly. So it really gives an insight to... Um, the character of this person. So do these, you, you mentioned Ayurveda earlier, and I had a prior guest and we dived into this a little bit, but are these things like synergistic? Is like the the different elemental makeup, does that actually translate to your dosha in Ayurveda? I believe so. I'm not Ayurvedic certified. Um, I've, I've done my own readings and um, in my yoga teacher training, they've touched on it. I also just got the Idiot's Guide uh, to Ayurveda by Sahara Rose, so I'm excited to dig more into that. But I would say um, they, they all weave into each other. And because it's very elemental-based, uh, yoga, Ayurveda, and astrology, it's really looking at us as a whole um, and then balancing out the elements within us. So for those who don't know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people could probably guess the elements, but how do the elements like play in? How do you differentiate what sign is which element and like, what is that system, that, that relationship? So we have Aries, uh, the three fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And then we have uh, the earth signs. We have Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And then... The air signs is Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. And then we have, um, yeah, the water. We have Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So those signs are linked with those elements. So do the elements, do they have like uh, different psychological aspects to them? Or like what influence do they have over someone's personality? I'd say that each, um, each element uh, brings... Like, for example, um, Aries, it's very fiery. Um, the qualities that Aries embodies is the warrior, the initiator, and it's, they're typically confrontive. Um, we'll go right down the list if that's something that you're interested in. We can go through all uh, 12 signs. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be great. Great. Okay, so let's see. We have Aries, which is our first, and then we have Taurus. And the qualities that Taurus embodies are they're slow and steady and musical and uh, they're very practical, uh, method methodological. Whoa, that word. <laughs> um, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, words, man. 
Uh, moving down the list, we have Gemini uh, and their air quality and their um, communication. It's they're the curious people. Um, I like to look at them as the innocent. It's like looking um, through the lens like a child. They're so curious about everything in the world, um, and everything's new and exciting. Um, speedy intellectual. These these ones have. And then we'll go to uh, Cancer. Cancer is the water, uh, the watery first sign that we have here. And those are the homemakers. Those are the nurturers and the healers. And um, the moon rules Cancer, so they can be more emotional than, let's say, a fiery sign. Um, or somebody who's more in their head, like an air sign. Moving down to our fifth, uh, fifth sign, we have Leo, which... Leos are dramatic. They're the fun factor. They are, they're typically happy um, and the center of attention. So there's high roads and low roads to each sign. Um, so it's, it's acknowledging where you are in that sign. So a high road of, um, of a fire sign could be the fun factor and um, could be fighting for love. Or they're just fighting just to fight and to nitpick. And so it's really acknowledging with your elemental distribution if you're taking the high road or if you're kind of navigating through murky waters of the low road. And then you get to choose once you're aware of it. Um, Virgo is our next uh, earth sign. And those are the perfectionists. Those are the analytical uh, the analytical people that we have, and uh, very serving. They're, they're in service. Um, Virgo also rules uh, alternative health. These people really love their plants and their, their small pets. So is Virgo in your chart then? I have uh, quite a bit of planets in my sixth house, which is Virgo. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Uh, the planet Pluto, which packs a punch. Pluto may be the smallest planet, um, but it's, uh, the planet of compulsion and fixation. So I just can't get enough of alternative health and helping. I just can't <laughs> and, and plants. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it is so helpful to look at your blueprint and see where these planets align in your chart. Um, it really gives you an insight to, to who you are, especially being, um, I feel like as a child, um, you know, we're conditioned by our environment and our parents, and um, it's nice to have this insight of yourself and then be able to think for yourself and really acknowledge what it is that you crave and what you need in your own individual um, makeup. So what's after Virgo? Before we, I, I, I want to go down that rabbit hole, but I also want to finish because yes. I'm sure there's people who are like, yeah, but tell me about my sign. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, let's see, we, we finished up with Virgo. We have Libra next, which is an air sign. And those are the, um, it's the, the peacemakers. They're the people who really want to bring balance to the situation, the people pleasers, so to speak. Um, are all about relationships, and they're artistic in their own unique way. Those are the, the people who 
um, even down to their clothing. It's just, it's specific and it's, it's beautiful. It's ruled by Venus, so it's very Venusian. It has that Venusian energy. I love that word. Yeah. Mm. Love what you did there. <laughs> hey, I didn't mean to do that, but I'm glad you picked up on something I didn't intend to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After Libra, we have, uh, ooh, let's take a deep dive into Scorpio. Um, the next water sign. And these are the, the one that gets all the shit. <laughs> yes, they do. And I, I love me some Scorpio. Um, a handful of my closest, closest people are Scorpio rising, which is a tough placement, but, oh, are our conversations deep and intense and all things taboo. It's just, it's wonderful. And those are what those people, they're the investigators and they're sexual beings. Um, yeah, they're just, they're, they can be the human lie detectors too. They're just, you just got to watch out for their scorpion stinger sometimes. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Sagittarius is our ninth sign. That's another fire. And those are the philosophers. They're the endless students. Um, and endless, endless optimists. They're just, they can see the good in everything. Um, student for life. Um, Capricorn is the one we have next, and those are the workaholics. Those are the, um, typically you'll see a lot of Capricorns and leaders, uh, CEOs, etc. Um, they're pretty conservative and they're super ambitious. They are just nose to the grind and work, work, work. Um, our 11th sign is Aquarius. And those are the oddballs. Oh, I have a soft spot for Aquarius. Um, even this, this conversation is so Aquarian. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those are the, uh, the humanitarian, the revolutionary um, people that are just wanting change for the world. And um, super eccentric. Very out there. They're the black sheep of the family. Typically, they're not the rule follower. Yeah. And then our, that makes sense. Yep. And our final sign is Pisces. A nice soft water sign, Pisces. It's the dreamer. It's the mystic. It's the all things magical. Um, poet, poetry, um, and they're pretty idealistic. So just to clarify, each of these signs has a house that uh, correlates with it then? Yeah, they do, because the, the signs go with the houses. So the first sign would be Aries, and the house would be Aries. The second sign would be Taurus and Earth, so the second uh, house is Taurus and Earth. And the qualities are different. So um, let's see, we touched on Aries. Let, we can go there again. It's the So the house, the first house, would be the physical appearance and um, the ego and... The second house is finances and values and spirituality. These are the people, if you have a lot of planets in your second house, are extremely good. Um, they're probably an accountant. They're really good with money. Um, that would be the high road. The low road would be that they are, it's difficult for them to save. They're spending money left and right. Um, those are the people that like the rocks around and the incense and um, they're very sensual. Uh, the third house correlates with Gemini, 
and these are the designers. This is the intellect's expression. It's, uh, it's the house of consciousness and ideas. And uh, the fourth house, cancer, we have, uh, this is the family house and the house of the psychologist and the unconscious also. So any uh, water house deals with the unconscious mind. Moving to the fifth sign. Do you want me to just keep going down and, and touch on the house? I'm actually, this is actually super beneficial because I've like always heard these and I honestly haven't made the correlation that they each represent an aspect of the zodiac. So it's kind of, it's, I, I am definitely like plugged into what you're saying. Um, but it, it seems so like the aspects of the houses have some energetic similarity, but they're not the exact thing, but they kind of borrow a lot of that energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to keep going, I, I don't want to like have you, you know, do something you don't want, but I'm definitely interested. Yeah, if you feel like our readers will be interested, then I would, I mean, I love this stuff. I could talk about it all the time, so. Yeah, um, yeah, let's keep on going. I feel like we're at the fourth house, so we might as well, um, what is it? the fifth house? We'll just keep trucking through. So the fifth house is our second uh, fire sign. We have Leo, so it's the house of Leo. It's uh, because the qualities that uh, Leo embody, they're dramatic in the center of attention. This has the house of uh, entertainment. It's creative expression. It also can be love affairs, romance, and, um, and children here. So if a planet is transiting this house, um, for example, my sister has a transit right now. It's uh, the planet of luck is going through her fifth house, and she is pregnant. She just found out she was pregnant. So it's the house of children and having luck um, expand. So that was pretty pretty awesome to see how it, this all, it's, you just can't make this shit up. <laughs> so, like, when you say that something was in transit, so, like, uh, our houses are constantly in motion then, or... No, the houses will always stay put where they are in your chart. Great question. But the planets are always moving. Got you. Planets are always moving. Um, so wouldn't that mean that we're all sharing the same planets in that house then? Or what? how does that individuate? Because each individual is born at a different time and in a different year, in a different location. So that makes up, I mean, that's the, the main those are the main differences. Gotcha. That each chart, each blueprint is so different and um, how those planets are rotating and affecting that person's chart is different. That makes sense. So we're all kind of at different starting points for each of the planets and as soon as we uh, leave the mom portal, then it, it starts that timer at different times then? Correct. Completely. Got you. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so going, uh, let's wrap up those houses. Uh, we have the sixth house, which is the house of Virgo, which is, I said I had a strong, strong uh, placement in my chart. Those are the, um, it's all about health and alternative health, alternative health and um, really serving, uh, serving and serving women at that. And uh, let's go to our second air sign. We have Libra. That's the house of uh, cooperation and marriage partners. And um, it's the house of the other. 
yeah, people with um, quite a bit of planets or even one planet in this chart um, really, um, really enjoy partnership. And that doesn't necessarily mean romantic. Uh, it could be in business. It could be platonic. Uh, just partnership in general. It could even be with your dog, dog, cat, partnership of any kind. Um, the eighth house is big change. It's, um, it's rebirth and sex because it is that deep Plutonian, uh, Scorpio vibe. These are, um, yeah, this can deal with other people's money and taxes and, uh, and therapists, psychological transformation. We have our next home stretch of, uh, the ninth house, the next three, um, houses here. We have the ninth houses, uh, Sagittarius, which is philosophy, the philosophers. Uh, it's the higher education and religion, and it's uh, international travel. Yeah, so, so anything abroad here. And then the 10th house is career. So this is the top of the chart here. And uh, so look to your 10th house to look at uh, your career and how this energy shows up for those individuals. And the planets here have to do with um, the energy best described um, with your chart and how you show up to the world. And um, I feel like that's a top question that most people ask when they go to have an astrology reading is, can you, t you know, talk to me about my career and um, you know, tell me what you see? So. Well, that's a nice one to look to, uh, most definitely. Uh, we have our last two. We have uh, Aquarius, which is the 11th house. And that is uh, technology. It's social alliance, social groups. Um, it's the futurist. Um, any, anything odd, like aliens, um, spaceships, just otherworldly. Um, with that Aquarius, that rebellion. And then we finish up with the 12th house, which is a water sign, and that would be uh, an indicator. Um, the 12th house rules institutions and prisons or hospitals and um, dreams. It also is pretty private, rules privacy, secrets, and all things magic. Wow. Yeah, this is totally demystifying this, like this chart for me i've been looking at these things for years they've come up and like i had just no framework or grounding and i'm just like i don't know what any of this means i really appreciate you taking the time to do this um so with that like each planet can only really inhabit one house right like there's an is there a potential for there to be no planets in a house if like all the planets are in your libra house then like your aries is gonna like how does that how do you account, like, how do you have something for each if there's only so many planets? Great question. Um, yeah, there doesn't necessarily have to be a planet in a house. That just shows because each planet has a specific energy. So, um, for example, Venus. Let's take Venus. This is Venusian energy. It's, it's how and what you love. And where this shows up is an indicator. So say it shows up in... Brett's Venus shows up in his second house. And so that tells me that how he loves is, um, is practical. 
is um, spiritual. You really like the simplicity and spirituality. Um, you might have, oh, what are those? I, there's a specific kind of rug I'm thinking of, but it's like a fuzzy rug. Um, like a shag carpet. Yes, thank you. I'm like, what is that <laughs> rug that I'm thinking of that feels really good if you lay on it? And yes, those. it's like a coziness. It's all things, um, textures. So um, yeah, where those energies of those planets show up in um in those houses are indicators of what that individual is like hmm. so like what happens if a house is empty then like how do you determine that at, so say that my second house is it has nothing in it like what what does that kind of tell we just don't really focus on that as much because um it's it's similar to the energetic distribution in your chart it's we look for the weaker element and we ask, um, as an astrologer, we ask, did, did God, did, did source give enough energy, um, to this individual and he doesn't need to work on it this lifetime or does he need to, do they need to work on it when they're earthbound? So that makes sense. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't stick to too much of paying attention to, uh, empty houses. Just the ones that do embody those energies, those planets. Yeah, that actually totally makes sense. So as like a practitioner, as someone who's offering chart readings and is able to break this down, are you also kind of, you're giving like practices to help balance out that energetic deficit then? Completely. Yep. Okay. So it kind of like dictates how someone should be spending their time to like find actual balance in their, their constitution. That's really fascinating. That's extremely helpful. Um, when I first started the course, I was weaker in my fire element. So I, um, my exercise was to sweat somehow. That was my homework um, that my mentor gave me. And that could be um, going to the gym. It could be running on the road. It could be turning up the music uh, and just screaming. Um, it could be having sex. Anything that you get that chi moving in your body um, is activating that fire. Um, and then there's different practices for each of the elements. So essentially you were just at uh, Paige and Ben's using their sauna? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be having them on at a later date. But yeah, rest assured, I know you're probably listening, Paige. You'll get your chance. <laughs> Hi, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is really actually really helping cement just kind of what this means to me. Um, are there any other aspects that you find to be really important that give a lot of insight into people? Um, and also slash once you answer that, what is the Lilith? I've seen that in a chart, like every planet has a Lilith or something. Like, is that something you guys have covered yet or it's okay if it isn't. I just, I, I've seen it on my, my chart and I, I just didn't know what that was. I want to say I've, I know I've seen it before, but it's not something that I've dug a lot into. I want to say the Lilith is the, um, the zenith, the Lilith. I, I think the Lilith is the bottom of the chart, but... That's what I thought, too. Yep, it, that would be the IC that you were talking about, which is the unconscious, um, which is below the horizon. So it would be at midnight of the chart. Mm. So, um, yeah, 
haven't dug too much into that, but I do believe it's the IC, which is the unconscious going into that fourth house of, of family. Um, but aspects. Coming back to that question of different areas of your chart that I feel are, are really important. Um, Saturn, where the planet uh, Saturn shows up in your chart. Um, because Saturn is the planet, um, it's like the old man of the zodiac. It's it's destiny. It's it's the planet of life lessons. So I love looking at somebody's chart and telling them, uh, sharing with them what their life lesson here on Earth is, and it's truly helped me um, individually. And then just to see the aha moments of sharing that with people of. Um, gosh, you came here to learn this element uh, is huge. It's a, it's a game changer, definitely. Hmm. So what's your Saturn? My Saturn is in Aquarius, which is why I have a, a reason why I have a soft spot for Aquarius in my life um, and those qualities that that embodies. It's conjunct my MC, which is my career, career line. And so how I show up to the public is this Aquarian misfit who rebels and um, is just funky and eccentric <laughs> and being yeah. okay with it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I remember what your sun, moon, and rising were. Do you, uh, do you feel comfortable in sharing just how this has affected your sense of self outside of just your Saturn? Oh, of course. Uh, my, so my sun is in Pisces, my moon is in Sagittarius, and my rising sign, what my soul is striving to be uh, in this life, is Gemini. So they are all, um, goodness gracious, they are learning these, <laughs> have been, um, I'm, I'm a total versatile person. I just... I'm pretty, I'm always flexible. I'm just going with the flow. I can pick one thing up and start another thing. And some people can view this as fickle. And sometimes they can be. That would be the lower road of, of um, these mutable signs. Um, and very personable. This gives an influence of. And um, it's also that it, that feeling of uh, the jack of all traits, master of none, um, yeah, good at many, not at one type of type of feel, which learning that about myself really put to rest that inner critic of I need to pick, you know, just pick a career and stick with it and um, and go from there. But learning this about my chart is has been so helpful in being OK with learning all of this diverse the, the diversity that I've been through this, this last decade of picking up yoga and um, dabbling in Ayurveda and law of attraction life coaching and now astrology. And it's, it's all it's coming together and tying itself together. Oh, and massage therapy. Let's, yeah. let's not forget <laughs> that. that. Small one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so learning these parts about myself has been... Um, amazing to look at the high road of them and then the low road and then having that knowledge of, okay, Kelsey, you need to stick with something. Um, 
because you're, you're getting a little scattered, and that would be the low road of these mutable signs is um, having too many things going at once. These are the people who have like three books going, and sometimes they don't finish one. Um, so it's nice to have that to reel it in and uh, have that self-reflection. Yeah, I feel like understanding like the the low road, so to speak, could actually it could kind of be like putting bumpers on like while you're bowling. Like it helps you kind of like watch out for those extremes, so you you know when to recognize when you're tapping into that. But I'm sure, I mean, you could probably attest that like everybody, the the full expression of who they are is all of those things, you know. So it's not like oh, you're more on the high road, or it's like you're in both of the roads, both lanes, you know. Completely, and it's an ebb and flow. As with anything in life, it's, you know, sometimes you're riding that high road for a while and the low road comes in. But this, um, the amazing thing about this science is that it gives you the ability to turn on the observer, um, similar to yoga and similar to um, other mindfulness practices, and, and then watch having that observer on. And then with because as humans we have this free will button and then you can choose what road you want to, what avenue you want to take. So it's been extremely helpful. That's that's really powerful. So what could you tell me, um, the last time I checked, and I feel like every time I look it's different, so I need some help, Um, but I'm like 95% sure that I am a Taurus rising Capricorn moon with a Cancer rising. Wait, did I say that right? Taurus sun, Capricorn moon, cancer rising. Like what would you say um, that looks like in my manifestation? Mm, Good question. So we have a Taurus sun, a cancer rising, and a Capricorn moon. Is that correct? Yep. So it would be double earth and water. So this gives you... You're such a calm, collected individual. So it's interesting. So Buddha was a Taurus. A little fun fact. Um, I was going to throw that out there too. Yes. So I would say um, I have no doubt that you um, mindfulness practices, things like that of, with your ego, um, you attra- you're attracted to. Um, these also are having your moon placement here in Capricorn is is a difficult one. Um, so I would ask, uh, how has it been learning your emotional body throughout the years? I usually have to go through an experience that kind of, um, heightens me in order for me to actually feel that boundary. It's hard for me to like, just kind of investigate it without some sort of stimulus that draws it out of me. That's my typical experience. Yeah. Because the moon rules, um, or cancer rules the moon. And so this moon placement that you have of your emotional body is in the opposite sign. So that could be a little more difficult to access those emotions. Um, but overall, your makeup with that, uh, with that cancer rising, it's, you're rising in this lifetime to be that healer. Um, and it sounds like through your own experiences. Mm. Wow. That's, yeah, I'd say that that sounds pretty accurate so far. Sorry, I just teased a semi-reading out of you. I'll throw you five bucks. <laughs> All good. I love, I love doing this. It's, uh, it's amazing.
Well, I can definitely feel that you're really sinking your teeth into it and, um, you know, applying it to your own life. And I think that that's probably the clearest indicator that it's a good thing, you know, if you're actively digesting it and making the wisdom your own, I think, as I just heard this past weekend, um, you know, and I, I definitely get that sense that y you know how to navigate this world. So, um, what does the future look like for this? I know that you're still going through courses, but once you graduate that, what kind of work does that allow you to do? What avenues would you like to pursue with that? So with, um, I am, I'm finishing up my third level with Deborah Silverman this next, not this weekend, next weekend. Um, and so this winter, I hope to plant some seeds and create um, and have and water them and, and flourish. <laughs> um, an a full astrology practice and that would be helping individuals not only looking at their birth chart but really working with the cycles of the moon um, I mean each month we have new moons and full moons and uh, getting circles of people together and seeing where it hits their chart and it's where we're going to use the house system that we went over earlier and those qualities and then we'll have a uh, journal prompts and people can really make it practical in their life and work with those cycles of the moon um, that takes magic with a k to a whole new level is really getting into those rhythms um, rhythms of nature and really embodying that we are all part of nature and working with those with those natural cycles wow that's really incredible and for those of you who out there aren't familiar with magic with a k um I'm going to have an episode later. So that is actually one of the pillars of the show is I do want to kind of include some occult things because the maps and models they represent and the symbology is actually very useful. And I think a lot of people have gotten a lot of benefit and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So, you know, when we say that we're not summoning um, Baphomet or Satan or anything, you know, it's these are very natural processes that have evolved with humans since ancient Egypt and before, you know, um, well, I actually, I really like that. When you say that you're going to have circles of people, are you? is it going to be kind of like a group session where you're working individually but in a group? Or how does that, do you know how that's going to look? Or Well, with the times changing, uh, it'll, it'll most likely be held online. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, with my Saturn in Aquarius, it also, like I said, it's, uh, so Saturn is that restriction and life lesson and air and Aquarius is, uh, technology. So I am, for being a millennial, I am not too tech savvy. <laughs> so it's something I'm learning, but I, um, however, I'm learning and giving myself grace as I do so. And I um, hope to hold those spaces virtually. We'll send over, we'll have those people send over their charts. I'll look at them ahead of time. And then in the group, we'll go through uh, questions, allow them journaling, prompt time, and uh, and then we'll see how they uh, relate and have an open circle with that, so people can communicate. Feel like a huge um, a huge way of how people learn is by sharing our story and seeing how that shows up for them, and having a safe space to do so is um, is really imperative. So holding that space online so people can be anywhere and we'll all learn and grow together and evolve. 
I want to snap my fingers like they do it like a poetry slam, like when they, they feel it, but it's probably just going to be annoying for listeners. So, But I am over here snapping because you're really touching up on, I mean, another key element of the show is like, like community is so important, you know, and anything that can bring people together like that is potent, let alone something that's mirroring themselves back to them, you know. Um, and I have full faith that you're going to be able to like hold that space very well. Um, and yeah, hopefully it, uh, is open at a time when I'm able to plug in. I don't know if, I know we mentioned, uh, off the show that you were thinking about doing like women's circles, but it would be cool to do co-ed circles and, uh, or just let me sit in the corner and just <laughs> observe. <laughs> um, yes, most ooh, definitely no. down the road. I want to touch on what you just said. I do feel a strong need to also do co-ed circles I feel like allowing men this option and this opportunity um, is so important in these times of change and allowing those safe spaces for men to embody this um, this practice but also get in touch with this feminine side and I feel like there's such a negative connotation about uh, embodying the feminine or, or men having emotions and I have to shake my head because I don't know where society went with uh, is perceiving that as weak or unmanly. And um, gosh, our emotions are our guidance system and they truly are a treasure map to the holy grail that's within us. So yes, I do. I will at some point have uh, co-ed circles. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I think a big part of um, a lot of society's apprehensions to the feminine aspect is that um, there's a lot of really weak-minded men who are afraid, and because like true femininity is power, it's it's way more powerful than anything the masculine has to offer, and I think that they probably picked up on that at a long time ago. The just the the capacity for the feminine to just sometimes overwhelm the masculine. Um, so like, as a result, they were like, we have to clearly like contain this. Otherwise society will break down. And, but it's really like the law of nature, like femininity is nature. And I, I, I do like the idea of co-ed and I also really like the idea that there are safe spaces for the feminine folks to like embody and to safely share without that masculine aspect. But I do think it's also a detriment to masculinity because it doesn't have a lot of opportunity to observe and absorb what true femininity is. So that almost like furthers the gap more. So on one hand, I'm like 100% feminine circles need to be a thing that are protected and cultivated. But at the other hand, like if the masculine doesn't have a teacher, then it's just going to keep making the same mistakes and um, – so, I mean, space for both, I think, is probably pretty important. Agreed completely. The times are a-changing, says Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because we're, like, we're the torchbearers, you know? Like, the torch is being handed down, and, like, we're the ones who have to cultivate and take this forward, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm starting to feel within my own space that, like, there is a degree of, like, creativity that we can bring to that and like we respect the traditions of the past but at the same time like we have to also make sure that they're available for contemporary thinkers so you know like 
trusting that we are nature and we are the embodiments of these teachings and they want to express in a certain way that only we can express. So, you know, to empower people to like really own and make that wisdom their own and to be able to take it to the next generation, you know, otherwise it will die out and that's not what, not what we need. No, not at all. And like, I love what you said that we are the torchbearers and we are, we are changing the way our future looks and so are our youth. So being able to cultivate these communities and, and really be the change that we want to see, uh, we can. I fully believe that we, we have the opportunities and, um, gosh, and the strength to do it. I think that, uh, it just starts with one person and, and has that ripple effect like you having this podcast and bringing in people from all over and reaching wider audience. I think it's amazing. Well, thank you. I attribute anything that I do to the people around me and I know it might be like overly humble which is like not humble but like truly it's because I have people in my life that I want to I want to impress everybody no but like I, I want to like meet like the power and strength that the people around me represent and like show up for the as strong as I can so that it gives them permission to continue doing that and um yeah I mean your practice has definitely been another one of those bouncing points so thank you not to return back to the gush that we talked about earlier but um, creating positive feedback loops you know I think uh, and another thing I think is really important is like we still have elders you know on one hand we are the torchbearers but like there is so much to be learned from the people who are still alive I'm realizing through my meditation teacher training uh, with David Nickturn, honestly, what I'm paying for is the opportunity to interact with David for eight hours a day. Like just in watching him operate and like deflect people's neurotic questions in the most simple, precise way. Like, oh no, this is why we need the elders. This is why we need the teachers. Um, Cause I've been studying Buddhism for almost 10 years. And in a matter of 16 hours, I've tapped deeper into the Dharma than uh, all those years of doing it alone, you know? So as torchbearers, it's important that we like listen <laughs> before we talk. <laughs> you know? Completely. And going off of uh, that word, listen, um, my mentor, Deborah Silverman said this, and I just, absolutely think it's phenomenal is that listen and silent have the same letters Whoa. mic drop Whoa. yeah <laughs> dang i don't know if my mic's attached to a boom arm but otherwise i'd drop it but um wow that's yeah and i was gonna even bring up like right now i'm studying from a, a teacher and you also have a teacher you know and um you know, I'd say the things that we're doing are fairly potent. So I think that that is an essential ingredient is like we, we need to find the teachers because they're out there, but they're maybe a little quiet. Um, you know, and they're waiting for the student to be ready to seek them out. Um, but it, it's important. We also have a mutual teacher and I'm going to shout her out because she's probably listening. But Becca is um, one of the best teachers I've had, honestly. Sorry to put you on the spot, Becca, but, um, you know, like people who've walked the path and have really embodied what it is they're doing, it, it's so vitally important. And when you find a good one, then you feel it, you know, it's not what they say, but it's just how they exist. <laughs> it's like what communicates between the words. 
Completely. And as going upon what you were saying is, uh, it's not necessarily what they say, it's how they say it. And, uh, going back to leadership, it's, um, I think that's a really important quality of leaders and teachers is, um, how they do it and how they lead. Um, yeah. Yeah. In uh, Tibetan Buddhism, there's the idea of transmission and that's the uh, process from teacher to student. And it isn't necessarily like the things they're saying, but it is like they have reached this like nervous system state where they actually have a sense of internal peace and that's what communicates. And like the words are just a way to like hold the space for you to like soak that transmission up, soak that feeling that they've cultivated and is unshakable. And, um, you know, I think like what's really cool about massage, you know, is that that is another way to transmit, um, maybe even a more, maybe not a more direct way. I think it's all similar, but it creates a container for you to exist and hold that space for someone else, you know? Completely. Yeah. Um, and anybody can be a teacher. Just want to go back to that. I want to go back to yeah. that. Um, I just, my mind was like, gosh, Becca is so amazing. Shout out to, uh, shout out to Sinative Tranquility, uh, Becca, if you're in the Grand Rapids area in Michigan, she's wonderful. Um, truly even situations though can be our teachers and it's again, turning on that observer and see, asking yourself, uh, how is it that I want to react and what is there to grow from the situation? Um, what what can this situation or this person be showing me? Yeah. Most definitely. That was something that was really interesting in my meditation teacher training is we were doing com- uh, contemplative me- meditation, which is focusing on one idea and just drilling down as deep as you can. And we were contemplating the idea of no self or egolessness. And when we met back together, um, and had a discussion, someone asked David, David Nectar, and they were like, so like, what do you think of when you think of like no self and like who you identify as? And he said, I identify as you. I mean, he, he didn't say it in like such like a pedantic way, but it, it really confused the other person. But I almost immediately was like, oh, he's holding a space that allows us to project our own internal teacher onto him. And he, he like reiterates that as like, you know, everything, like watch the way you ask your questions and you already have the answer within your question. Like, and he's just, he's just doing him. He's just a dude, you know, he's a dude who's kind of a nerd about the Dharma and just has studied it for a while. But like our view of him as the teacher is the thing that is going to carry us. Love that. It's, it's also, uh, I mean, we're all sacred mirrors. We are all interacting with that other who is us and what are we putting out into the world and what are we getting back it's, it's funny we just um were having this conversation last night uh i went over to my parents and we were talking about putting carts back at the grocery store something as simple as it's putting a cart back where the carts trolleys are and my dad said about half the time I do and the other half I I don't I'm in such a hurry and my mom and I give them the look and we're like well (laughs) we're like well my mom's like you'll be singing a different tune uh when a you know you get a cart ding and 
he said, uh, and I do, and um, and I shared. I noticed uh, with the car, my car before the one I have now. Um, actually, two cars before it was Tina, my very first car that I ever got, and Tina the Taurus, and uh, oh. I mean, <laughs> you know, name in my cars. Um, I just immediately think of Napoleon Dynamite, like Tina, come get your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, too funny. I, maybe I named her after that. I, that, that yeah. I feel like that show was pretty popular when I was 16, 15. Um, it was massive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, that, but anyways, uh, I was just a careless 16-year-old, you know, creating door dings. And um, I noticed that after I was more aware of the effect I was having um, with carts or with door dinging other people's cars on accident just being careless um the more mindful I was the less those things happened and it's just what you put out is what you get back and Mm -hmm. I bought my first car in California and I was a little more careful and I noticed those things slowly diminishing the more mindful I was of what I was putting out so um it's little things like putting your cart back and helping people and having it not ding your car. And it's, it's little, it's little things that turn into big things. Yeah. How you do one thing is how you do all things. So it's important to just bring your best to everything that you got, you know, completely. If you half-ass a homework assignment, you're probably going to half-ass a job. You're probably going to half-ass relationships. You know, it's, it all feeds into it. You know, every moment is a full expression of who you are. And you can work on yourself in every moment, you know. Meditation doesn't just happen on the cushion. It happens on life, you know. Yoga is living life. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's definitely, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a practice that you practice every day in every way. And once you're turned on to that, then there's no turning off, too. So um, kind of like the game that was on the internet where as soon as you know you're playing the game, if someone reminds you, then you've lost. It's the same way. So I'm sorry, listeners, you're actually just got the invite. So now is, uh, you know, you're in it. (laughs) Oops. You are, you entered the game of life and you get to co-create it with source or spirit or God, however you want to look at the supreme consciousness, um, however you wish to. And you can take high roads or low roads, but through my own experience, listeners, the high road is so much better. (laughs) Yeah. And you spend the same amount of energy. And that's something I think a lot of people, they're like, I just don't have the energy to like invest in well-being. But it's like, you're going to spend that same energy in fighting off all the neuroses and the body aches and the illness. So it's like, if you're going to spend it, you might as well spend it actively and not reactively. Totally. I couldn't agree more. So uh, we're a little over an hour at this point. I think we're near 90 minutes. So um, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Where can people find you and how can they interact with you right now? I'm sure there's some people who are like, dang, she does massage and astrology. Like I want to, you know, give this person my money. What do I do? (laughs) Um, Let's see. To get a hold of me I have a Facebook account that would be uh, probably the best thing to reach or the best way to reach me at the point I am slowly uh, making a website so 
stay tuned, listeners. But Facebook, it's Holistic Home. Um, at Return Back Home is the uh, what you can type in after Facebook, or you can type in Kelsey Peck and find me that way. Wonderful. And to schedule. Yeah, um, and also for those of you who are in the Grand Rapids area and might want to like utilize the holistic home services, uh, namely massage, yoga, I also uh, practice there as well. So um, if you do want to um, interact outside of just the podcast with me or Kelsey, um, yeah, reach out to the holistic home and we can get you scheduled. And um, are you, you're probably not offering um, chart readings right now uh, until you're done with the course, or is that something people can do with you then? Nope. I, um, I've completed enough courses where I am armed and dangerous uh, <laughs> to do chart readings. Um, I'm waiting for this next level so then I can uh, kind of gear up a little bit more for those circles that we were talking about earlier. But definitely call and or reach out to get in the books for some life coaching, uh, astrology readings for natal charts. We also do, or I also do... Uh, relationship charts, synastry charts, where we can overlay uh, two people's charts and look at uh, where the tension lies, where the gifts are, and go from there. Uh, extremely uh, amazing tool to take a deeper dive into those relationships. It's helped my sisters and I relationship and uh, partners also. So that's a way. And then, as you said, massage therapy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much. I'll make sure all the links for your information are down below. When people listen, they'll they'll have it right there. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. You're a jewel of a human. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Mm -hmm. I'll see you next time. All right, my sweet friends, that was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I had making it. Um, It's always a treat to be able to soak up some of her time. She's a very busy person. So if you would like to organize a chart reading with her, uh, follow the links down below. Um, Get a hold of her through Facebook or the Holistic homepage. If you're looking to get a massage or explore some yoga or have a manifestation coaching session, um, same link, uh, same way to do it um yeah uh her schedule book is usually pretty stacked um so yeah make sure you plan in advance if that's something that you'd like to do um if you'd like to work with me in body work and you're in the west michigan area and feel like traveling to uh hopkins michigan um like i said i'm working out a holistic home as well currently there one day but we'll soon be expanding to three or four so um Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something from it. Like I said, I definitely have a keen interest in the, um, I don't know, I guess you'd call this the occult or the esotericism or that um, floatier side of existence that um, sometimes defies definition. Um, to me, I think touching on this every now and again is going to be really useful as a nice uh, cane to walk through. Um, all the other topics that we have, I think it's a good addition. Um, it gives you some good tools to be able to navigate uh, this existence. Um, so next couple weeks, though, I do have some very special guests. Every guest is special. I don't know if you knew that, but um, I have 30 to 40 guests already charted out. Um, and every episode kind of builds off of each other. 
Um, so if you haven't listened to prior episodes, I implore you to do so. Um, they each, right now we're setting up the pillars, we're creating the foundation for us to really have a comprehensive analysis of what it means to have vitality in this day and age. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about next week as well. He is one of my very close friends who is finding a lot of success in the specific world that he is, and I'm really excited to introduce you to him. Um, and then after that, we have um, two more. Um, I'm kind of doing this by seasons. It's kind of the way that I'm wrapping my head around it, so there is kind of a season finale, if you will. Um, another really good human. They're all good humans. Everyone's a good human. You're probably a good human. If you're listening to this and you made it this far, you're probably a good human. All right, my friends, until next time, 21st Century Vitalism. This is Brett, and I am tuning out. Bye.